Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Coin Press podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today I am joined by Andrew Papas. Am I saying that right? Papas, but close enough. Papas, sorry, should have confirmed that ahead of time. Uh, no so worries. yes, Andrew uh, is the uh, the the guy behind Rengen Marketing and the Indie Game Movement podcast. So Andrew, really excited to have you here today. We'll, we'll get into all that. So uh, can you tell us in your own words what you're doing with Rengen, uh, what what your your mission is with the podcast, and uh, and then we'll get into why we're talking today. Yeah, of course. Well, first, Luke, I just want to really you know thank you for having me on the show. It's really interesting uh, to be in this space and to talk a little bit more about you know this topic because it's it's something that uh, that's not very common for me. But still, we'll we'll get into that later, as you said. But in terms of, uh, you know, Rengen, um, you know, I'm just a marketing game consultant and uh, helping studios essentially with their marketing be more efficient and finding ways to save time and, and increase the results and, and all that fun stuff that comes with marketing that we're always challenged with <laughs> as yeah. uh, developers and such. Um, and as you mentioned too, I'm the host of the indie game, um, uh, business, I'm sorry, indie, indie game movement podcast that talks oh. about the business and marketing of indie games. And, and, and really my goal and focus with that is just to, again, like, uh, provide insight, some guidance, uh, for Des for studios, uh, by interviewing just, you know, industry veterans, uh, other developers or studios, whether they're well-known or not. And uh, just kind of really shining the light on things and offering different perspectives on how to either do things differently or uh, like a core theme is like going practicing empathy for, you know, your audience and things along those lines. So that, that's really the mission uh, with the podcast yeah. is really to shine some more light on, you know, the marketing and business of indie games. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's super important. Right. I I'm curious what like what types of um, clients you have with Rengen and, um, you know, listeners of your podcast, because I imagine it's pretty broad, uh, but you, maybe you have some trends of, uh, you know, solo indie game developers or small studios or, um, you know, types of games they're working on, that sort of thing. Yeah. So for the types of clients that I work with, usually they're, they're small and maybe upwards of a little bit medium. So typical size is about a, a team of about like, you know, uh, 10 members. Sure. And um, essentially what uh, these clients are looking to do is just essentially being more efficient with, uh, with what they're doing. Um, kind of like finding other uh, ways to increase their reach uh, with their titles. It could be a first game that they're uh, either publishing or working towards uh, getting representation from a publisher. Um, and ultimately their goal is to grow to like a healthy level where they have a pretty decent uh, sized team. I would say anywhere around the marks of upwards of 50 people on a team, uh, publishing not just their own titles, but titles by other developers too. And just finding ways to really maintain, uh, that healthy sustainability. Um, in terms of the podcast though, I would say that's a, a bit broader. Um, sure. you're probably going to see, uh, I've known that, you know, other publishers have listened to my podcast, a lot of other solo devs, and, and I would say, you know, uh, studio members, uh, as well. And 
Yeah, and, and I would say that's that that's like I like you mentioned too. It it is a little bit broader of an audience because um, sure. we cover a kind of a vast array of topics as it relates to you know the show's theme. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, and I mean the the challenges that people face from that broader audience are going to be, you know, a lot more. They're seeking information to help narrow their own perspective. Um, whereas with your your consulting clients, I'm sure it's it's much more specific problems, you know, whether it's efficiency or increasing reach or and however they measure that. Uh, probably a lot more technical uh, in nature those relationships. Yeah, they they definitely can be, and I mean, I, I'd say they they can be more technical, but they can also be more, um, I would say even strategic to some degrees. Sure. Um, like. And, and I'm kind of outlining a little bit my process here, but it will still answer your question too, sure. where in terms of, you know, the challenges that you're talking about, sometimes it comes down to just not necessarily like in a lot of cases, they have a good idea of, you know, where they are, where they're situated, but they, they just need a little bit of the extra either confidence, uh, just need yeah. to be empowered a little bit uh, and uh, have like, essentially a clear course of action to take yeah so uh that that's that's one thing i help with them too is, is guide and collaborate with them in terms of what's this plan look like based off of you know things that they uh shared with me and what their goals all, all that type of stuff so having like a clear plan and, and how to implement that um but other more specific ones and a little bit more technical is like you know really understanding who their audience is. And I know at, at face value, a lot of people think like, oh, I have a clear idea of who my audience is. They play this type of game, therefore it's my audience. Um, but even digging further into that, and 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 that's a big thing for, for I would say, um, studios is just because if, if you don't really understand your audience, it might be a challenge to know how to effectively communicate with them. And, and therefore, you know, that, that could be a struggle in itself. Um, and, and through that communication, it's uh, it also goes into other areas like, hey, how do I implement a um, or create a, a good player journey or more specifically, like how do I create a good funnel? Um, mm -hmm. How do I get people from creating awareness all the way down to um, converting them into a player or whatever that, uh, you know, desired action is that you want them to take? Um, and another thing, too, is like maybe being more clear in identifying the intent of players or just providing more clarity. Uh, Cause lots of times when we're working on our own projects, we get so caught up in the details and everything else where we might not realize that what we're sharing for or how we're communicating this information might in, unintentionally alienate the players. Uh, yeah. So, you know, communication. Um, and outside of that, I mean, as you said, they can be pretty technical, but at a high level, um, a big part of it can be like really creating uh, ways or uh, identifying ways to improve processes so they can be more efficient, whether that's looking at data, understanding it better, and then from there, um, optimizing their efforts more with their marketing campaigns, and then also continuing that process so um, it can end up being repeatable. And then be being repeatable means that they can have a lot more uh, sustainability in terms of their marketing efforts. And, and that's ultimately the goal that we work towards is, hey, how do we do all these things, learn all these things and, and empower the team and through a collaborative process to the point where you're getting, you're hitting that mark every time. So it's like, 
you know what to do here on out. And obviously that's, you know, things can change, but that's ultimately the goal to have that level of confidence where, you know, every step of the way, what to do to make things the way you want them to work out for the most part. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit on some really good points there. It's um, like basically as a consultant, what you're selling is confidence, <laughs> right? At, at the end of the day and, and just some direction to go along with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I mean, confidence comes from having direction and, and knowing that your path is, um, you know, one that's proven and just needs to be executed. Um, if you've never marketed a studio from from scratch before, then you, know, you can feel like shouting into the void. And <laughs> yep, that, I've, I've heard many people share that same yep. <laughs> same feeling for sure. Um, cool. So it, I'm I'm excited to have you here today because. I want to combine our perspectives, right? Where, where you're talking about marketing for gaming studios and I talk about blockchain for gaming studios. Uh, and the two, like, you know, anytime you're talking about your business and, and what you're actually building for players, um, they're linked. You know, I, I can't have a discussion with a client about uh, blockchain without discussing, you know, how that impacts your marketing and your communication and all that. Um, so for you, I, I'm curious before we get uh, you know too technical and talk about blockchain, ha has it come up at all? You know, I know it's kind of a hot topic among uh, gaming studios. There's a lot of talks about blockchain at um, Game DevCon. And uh, I'm just curious if, if it's a discussion you've had with any of your clients or you know people reaching out to you. Uh, with questions about it or, or anything like that? Or is it still, you know, does it feel fairly on the back burner nuanced? I mean, for, for me personally, um, I haven't been too involved with it, but that said, um, I, I am a member of some different communities that, um, uh, don't feel too positively about it in general, as yeah. far as my own, but, but as far as my own experiences, I've had a situation before where, um, you know, someone reached out to me and was looking for more insight in terms of direction. And it was, uh, I believe, a studio that was like a play to earn studio, for example, sure. and uh, built on blockchain. And so I, that's the closest I've been with it. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of other people approaching me uh, on the subject, uh, it, it, it was really weird because it, uh, and this is the impression I got from these people. These people uh, that approached me, I think, were from new studios. Uh, mm -hmm. all about blockchains and F NFTs and they, they were essentially pitching me and I'm sure lots of other people on potential sponsorships or mm -hmm. uh, getting funding and but the but it was really funny because the way that they come and this happened at least like two or three times but the way that they were communicating this to me it sounded like wow you're using so many big words right now <laughs> that like and it's not that I didn't understand where they're coming from, but it wasn't really clear in terms of what they wanted other than right. I got it from when they said sponsorship. And, and it was just, it was just so weird. So as a whole, all these interactions that I've been having and everything kind of like painted this picture where 
Um, I think some of the the negative aspects that come out of it is, hey, look, here's this cool uh, business model that um, it can be extremely lucrative. And well, that's my focus um, to, to <laughs> yeah. kind of put things a little bit bluntly. But uh, I know that's a uh, generalization, um, sure. at least from my experience. Um, that That's what I see it as. And I for anyone who ever listens to my show or just knows me in general, I, I always like to look at perspectives differently or understanding of the different side of the coin, so to speak. Um, so, yeah. but anyways, that's, that's my experience in terms of what, uh, what I've dealt with, what I know, I still feel I know very little about it, but enough where, uh, I'm, you know, have a general sense in terms of, you know, you know, of things and, you know, the, the nature of, uh, the whole topic if you will yeah yeah absolutely um i think uh honestly you hit the nail on the head that the problem that i that i see right now is that uh, there's a lot of people out there that are very negative about blockchain because of the culture that's been created around it it is you know it's taken you know this is a cool business model i can make a lot of money and you know people who really get into it have to get very deep in the weeds and so all the big words you know there's too many to, to list um <laughs> those come out and so rather than just thinking about your audience whether that's your players or investors or people who you're looking for sponsorships or whatever um they're they're not deep in the weeds so so it creates this divide of people building games on blockchain and people building real games, <laughs> mm. right? And so the the blockchain games are all like, that's their entire selling point. It's, this is, you know, just like that other game, but on blockchain and isn't that cool? And, and people who are in the blockchain space might think that's cool and might decide to play it a little bit, but if it's not fun, they're still not gonna play it. It doesn't matter that they can make some money there. If they're looking to make money, they can do other things. Yeah, that, that's a good point because I, with that first interaction I mentioned, where that you know studio came out that was a play to earn, mm -hmm. um, I, I they're like, hey, we're you know, it's it's in its infancy, we're building it up. And when I checked out the platform, I mean, the games themselves looked very, very mediocre or, or just poor. Uh, yep. Like even like games. I mean, there's so many games. It looked like. Uh, like a mobile game that was, and I'm not bashing mobile games here, but I mean, like it, it, it just poorly executed uh, on all fronts. And then when I looked into it more too, uh, there were, there were some early adapters, uh, you know, players uh, that have, uh, and some of them were content creators and they were just finding ways to exploit the gameplay to earn more. So their intentions and everything and the motivations behind joining the platform was surely for, um, you know, financial gain, essentially, right. where to your point, too, it's like that some of these things, people leading in with these ideas and this opportunity are, are more thinking about the opportunity opposed to what it, what's important about the player experience. And and because from there, I, I'm sure we're on the same page here that if you get if you nail down the player experience, then everything else will start falling into place. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, 100 um, percent. 
blockchain, in my opinion, only matters so much as it improves that player experience. Uh, and so the, the way it's being used today is it's not about the player experience. It's about money and that's getting thrown around on top of games because it's kind of a, a fresh ground to, to sprinkle in this technology. Um, but if you actually dig into what's possible with the technology, it's you, you get a bunch of new possibilities for your games, um, which I'm, I hope we'll get into here, um, that, that really, it, it gives you new design possibilities that would be a lot harder without blockchain. Well, I mean, you kind of let it there. Why don't we get into it? Because this yeah. is unfamiliar territory uh, for me. So I'd love to to hear it, hear it out and and discuss further. Sure. So uh, I actually just wrapped up a series on my my newsletter about progressive decentralization, <laughs> which there you go, a couple big words for you. Um, <laughs> basically, the the idea here is that when we talk about blockchain and and what it is as technology. Um, Bitcoin was the first, and it was uh, a an application-specific blockchain. It's meant for money. And so you can hold tokens, aka money, Bitcoins, and you can send them to other people, and you can mine new ones. And, and so there's a lot of things that happen there on the Bitcoin network, but it's all just money. So that being the first application of blockchain as a concept has really bled through everything else that that you see in the space so ethereum and um you know all these other blockchain networks that have come up they they have money as like a core component and there's good reasons for that but it makes it so that so many people in the space are only focused on the money side of it and so if there's any utility of being able to run an application or a game or whatever on a blockchain, that's cool, but only for like financial applications. And so they don't really care about uh, so much else. So like play to earn and GameFi or, you know, game finance yep. is like these concepts are, they just speak to the fact that people like the money side of blockchain and they're just trying to spread it anywhere they can um but that's not the only thing that matters the point of blockchain is that it is decentralized and so that just means that there's no central authority that has control over it if i hold bitcoin or whatever um as long as the network is still running which it's running on countless people's computers um, I have my Bitcoin and I can use it and it, it, there's no authority like it, like my bank that can take it away from me or, or block it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. so it's all trackable. So there's things you can do to say, you know, blacklist, we're not going to take any payments from this wallet or whatever. Right. So there's things you can do that are, um, you know, restrictions that you can place on any given cryptocurrency, but it's it's still decentralized. You are refusing to do business with me. It's not that you're blocking me from doing business with anyone. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's, you know, when you take decentralization and then you spread it to computing, now you have networks like Ethereum um, and, and one that I'm particularly fond of is Coinos, uh, where you're able to run 
apps on the blockchain. So with your games, when you would normally have like a server where you host your game logic and, you know, take care of matchmaking for your players and track, uh, you know, their inventories and all that in a database, those are all things that you could do on blockchain instead of on a server. So then you're relying on the network, which is made up of a bunch of people that are running their own computers that have the blockchain software on there uh, to to drive those interactions for your players. So if you did it right, <clears throat> you could build a game that was nothing but the game client, whether Unity or um, Unreal or whatever, a web game, um, and the blockchain. And there's no intermediary server. There's no um, no hardware or software that you have to run as a company. It's all just on the the player's computer and on blockchain. Mm. So, uh, if you do that, then the the overhead and the costs that you incur by um, you know by deploying your your game logic on blockchain are reduced. You don't have to pay for a server with enough uptime to you know cover your your player needs as your as your game explodes. Uh, it's all just handled by by the blockchain. <clears throat> so the the decentralization that you get from that is, let's say you have game items and currency, gold, uh, you know, the cloak of invisibility or whatever. Those can all be uh, tokens and NFTs on the blockchain, which gives your players full freedom to do whatever they want with those items. So if they play the game and they earn the gold and whatever, then they can play with it in the game like they would normally, or they could sell it to their friend, or they could trade it with their friend for their own item. And that would be something that they could do without you needing to build a feature of your game to allow players to trade and swap items, because that's all just there on blockchain. So if you if that's a feature that sounds interesting for your game and you want to have like a marketplace, um, even if you don't care about the money side of it and you don't want it to be about money, you don't want to be play to earn, um, building on blockchain creates that feature for you. So you're able to focus on the gameplay and you know with your dev time and not worry about building a marketplace feature because it's already built for you. Um, so yeah, so, so that's just one piece of it. So a marketplace is one. Um, if you're, uh, let's say, so, so games that are, you know, they play in matches, you're dealing a lot with, uh, like cheat prevention, right? You've got to block players, um, who are, or botting and, you know, cheating the game and whatever, right? You got to keep the player experience good for people who are playing honestly that's additional cost for you as a company because you have to have people reviewing flags on players and um, reviewing game logs and trying to see you know find the bad actors and, and all that if you build that on blockchain where your where your game matches are actually coordinated on chain <clears throat> then you can you can take it a step further and give players the ability to kind of self-moderate so uh, in the same way you have like Reddit moder moderators on uh, subreddits, you could have the same thing. You could have 
referees for your games that maybe come in and watch a game being played flag it you know maybe you have a, a group of people who have kind of elected each other to be the the moderation group to you know and they vote on uh, allowing and disallowing players and you can have your own people involved in that um but the the point of decentralization is that you don't necessarily have to hire all of that in-house you can open it up to the community and be part of that community so now it's not you being the boss of every individual person that's involved in keeping the game fun. It's the community being responsible for keeping the game fun and you participating in that endeavor. Um, and you can take that even further beyond like, you know, cheat prevention and, and have it be about the, the content creation for your game. If you want it to be um, you know, if you if you need a new pack of cards for your trading card game and a collection or something, that's something you could have with user generated content, and um, you know, it, have it come to a vote of the community of what they want to see in the next release and the next expansion, and um, you can have the success of your game beyond the initial release be fully in the hands of the community. And you know, continue to participate in that, but not being the sole authority over its success. Cool. I mean, yeah, a uh, lot of stuff to unpack. But uh, yeah, sorry, I went. I went. It's, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but in essence, um, I mean, I could see what you're saying in terms of having a lot more flexibility uh, with things such as the marketplace or right. having um uh, a, a a new level so to speak of community involvement um during actual gameplay opposed to outside of gameplay which is right. you know typically uh you know what i see on my end for example right. um but yeah i mean it so I, I can definitely see uh you know some of the benefits that are associated with you know games being on blockchain and and in these in these models and and how they're set up a little bit differently yeah. Uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Um, I think the, uh, the the real problem here is that blockchain gaming is just completely broken. Like because it's about finance and not about fun, it's uh, you get these polarizing opinions. And so your your groups that are anti blockchain have come to that opinion for pretty good reason. <laughs> They've seen it you know ruin what might have been a fun game and um it, people who are scamming and you know, trying to squeeze every last dollar out of whether it's a game or, or something else instead of just trying to build a good player experience um and i think that's a real shame because there is potential to to take this tech and apply it in a way that opens up new experiences Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can definitely see that too, and I, I guess now more than anything, then the 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 first challenge is probably getting over the hurdle of the the bad taste that a lot of people have in their mouth. And right. I mean, I mean, let's face it, this happens all the time with a lot of different things within industries or or just even culturally, like. Here's a very um, loose and <laughs> broad example, but I mean the rep, uh, the 
that uh, pit bulls have of being poor dog, uh, poor dogs. They're actually, from what I understand, great dogs, but yeah. because of how they were used, um, a lot of people don't want pit bulls as pets. Right. Uh, but it's it's nothing against the, the dog themselves. Um, but but still, so it, I. I I believe it comes down to then some level of education that is, is really what, uh, in learning from that first hurdle. Um, so that that's interesting. Um, but then after that, uh, I, I think there's, there's only so much education, but then there's, I would say courses of action. And I think you alluded to these as well, but what, what are some courses of actions? And, and I think you kind of, brushed upon it and, and identify we, we both have with you know the quality of the games that are out there now and, mm -hmm. and kind of like what's on the horizon in terms of what those games look like yeah for sure um the so i have a bunch of ideas of different games i'd like to see built and would love to partner with um some studios to to get these designed correctly but i think the um the, the core of your course of action is that you should really design a game, right? Design a fun game and don't talk about blockchain. <laughs> don't say <laughs> you're play to earn. Don't say we have NFTs. Talk about the features that you're building in your game and they're on top of blockchain. That's fine. But just say, you know, we have a great new game. It has a player marketplace where you can do this, that, and the other. Um, we have. Uh, the ability for players to self-moderate, you know, whatever the features are that you're enabling with blockchain, <clears throat> talk about that. And, you know, for people who want to dig deeper and understand how you're doing that, yeah, you can talk a little bit about blockchain. But just coming out and saying we have a new blockchain game, automatically you lose a huge percentage of your potential market there. So. I mean, I, I can see that too, where here's here's another example um not as broad as as the pitbull one <laughs> but like uh for example uh you know steam early access there there are some yeah. people who you know absolutely uh love that but i would say you know there's uh, a good number that that don't if they see an early access game uh, same with uh the similar people have the same feelings about crowdfunding mm -hmm. um they're it, it's it's just that not their cup of tea so to speak sure. And, um, you know, and, and, and I've seen situations too, where people have, um, kind of, uh, made very, made it very clear in, uh, let's say for example, with their, um, capsule art on steam, it says in early access, uh, the second mm -hmm. they took that off and updated it, um, with, without showing that their click through rate, um, started skyrocketing, mm -hmm. uh, just from that simple move, um, and but 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 again it goes it goes down to but it, like you still are sharing that information too like when they get to the steam page it still says hey this game's in early access like they're clearly right. setting the expectations there so i think what you're proposing too is probably a, a a much better approach especially in the current climate that we're in and how it's received as far as you know blockchain and nfts are um and you know and i think too in terms of taking action it's not just about taking that initial approach still providing transparency but also um 
showcasing or calling out to the things that might just uh turn people off because let's say they they find out not in a bad way but just like okay this sounds good i'm looking into it but i'm curious how does this work oh they are using blockchain oh they do have nfts uh but then still calling out and identifying the immediate problems that people still may have right and and and, and, and basically approaching it very ethically in, in a way sure. that um these players can then ultimately wow uh because what you're trying to do is oppose uh um any opposition right mm -hmm. so it really comes down to is saying uh agreeing with the player yeah. someone who comes up with a problem calling out and, and this comes down to like communication basically calling out yeah. be like yeah we agree with you that the way people have been using nfts in some cases absolutely sucks and is totally unethical but this yeah. is how we're doing it differently right yeah and that's that's key too because like unethical game design does is not limited to blockchain exactly <laughs> right like uh i i can think of a classic uh triple a publishing example and and to their i don't want to list them because i feel bad doing so <laughs> but with a very very well known and established ip um that's all I'll say because I could say one other word and we would all know it. Um, <laughs> but but basically, I mean, they were using data to make uh, and there was lots of microtransactions going on. But a lot of people felt that like, uh, wow, this is very unethical. I, I pay this for a game. And now to, in order to get anything else, it's all these crazy, ridiculous microtransactions and everything else. Right. And, and then that, that and obviously the whole situation there was, um, you know, Get, getting into the ethical question it's right. and it's funny though too because and i digress here mo for a moment but a lot of their decision to to make all those microtransactions was based off of data yeah, <laughs> but yeah. even like user behavior but even though that they had this information like hey this is what users do we're gonna do it at the face value it came off in a very negative tone exactly. um but yeah. anyways <laughs> no yeah microtransactions are actually a great example because i feel like that's a that's a key complaint with uh with play to earn games is that even if you don't have microtransactions directly uh if you're if you're handing out free cryptocurrency and nfts in your game you've created an environment where people can get in the same way they would with microtransactions they mm -hmm. just pay peer-to-peer -peer. i go find somebody who has the sort of whatever and and pay them for it so now just by building on blockchain your item system you you have introduced microtransactions in a way that can have the same negative impacts um now if you're designing a game and you're okay with going with microtransactions and you're you know you're you're willing to manage the economy of it in a way that's still accessible to people to get in and play for fun and you know only have like the top people who can really afford it and are making a you know um you know the, the all the correct way to handle that then blockchain doesn't add any additional negative uh design on top of just having microtransactions yeah uh, and one one other thing I'm curious about, though, uh, from what I understand, uh, while, while they're kind of on the topic of these this this marketplace and, and even NFTs as a whole, yeah. And, and again, I I'm not fully understanding of how this works or is if there's any type of regulation to this. I would say it's based off of the developer themselves or the studio. 
but like let's say you know nfts are being bought and sold but what are these things essentially i mean skins is a pretty obvious one but let, okay. let's say if they're items sure. and then and and let's say if some of these items are very powerful for example mm -hmm. now that that really can upset the dynamic and right. uh in the mechanics in some ways uh, possibly uh for that gameplay and not necessarily creating a level playing field so i guess right. and i know there's probably lots and lots of situations where these types of questions and like specific stuff pops up but for sure i i guess with not necessarily the i the, the concept in terms of what you explain from decentralized but let's say if uh deregulation or limited regulation mm -hmm. um what's preventing from those types of experiences happening uh that can ultimately maybe make a poor player experience and kind of more of a pay to play or, or pay to win type scenarios yeah yeah so some games you know whether or not they're on blockchain decide to be pay to win and that's fine yeah that's a discussion unto itself not i i would say most games shouldn't be pay to win um so if you're worried about that for your game and you want it to be you know more skill based or you know kind of a a ramp up in progression to reach a certain level but then um you know there's a there's a limit to how how much you can pay to how much you can win <laughs> right um mm -hmm. then i would suggest one of two things one don't uh don't put things on blockchain that materially impact the gameplay yep. so skins right that's great you can do that as an nft um and then uh that doesn't impact your ability to play skillfully um and people who want to flex and you know look really cool they can and they might be able to do it even cheaper because they bought it secondhand instead of buying it direct from you or something um that's that's great then if you if you're okay and you want to have like your actual items uh, let's use a like a trading card game for example if, if you're talking about say hearthstone mm -hmm. um the the limit there is that cards are not one of one unique there's you know it has power four and whatever uh and there's a thousand of these in existence and there can be more as more people come on and play um it's pay to win in the sense that you could buy those cards on the secondary market from other people but uh they're they're not truly non-fungible so nft stands for non-fungible token yep, yep. so it because it's not like a one-of-a-kind the most powerful whatever in the game um there's inherently a limit to how much you can charge for that uh so on a secondary market because there's thousands of these things right um, it's not so predatory in the pricing yeah and and i like the example used with hearthstone and, and i can also see the relation to just let's say card collecting in general or like things along those lines i mean here, here we have this uh you know card collecting it's it's kind of a its own um marketplace in a way uh so to speak in terms yeah. of how to gain and stuff but uh the, the price is also dictated based off of the availability right or, or rare uniqueness of it mm -hmm. um so and 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 yeah i mean it, it's it's good 
And I, I like the point too, where what you said in terms of designing a game. So therefore it's like these, these things are somewhat dictated within the confounds of the game, uh, you know, respectfully. I, I think another great example too, that's, you know, you know, not blockchain, but um, is, you know, essentially Fortnite. Yeah. Uh, because it's like the, 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 the mechanisms are, or the power-ups or whatever are not altered simply by being able to achieve these things or paying more money. I mean, it's obviously a, a bit dumbed down, I think, to the degree that we were discussing. Um, but still, it's it's applicable where it's like you get these things. It doesn't change your, attrib uh, your attributes. Those are dictated based off of if you find a rare or super unique item or whatever. Right. right. Whatever they label them as. Epic. I don't know. <laughs> I don't play often. My son does. <laughs> yeah, yeah um yeah and I, I think um you know whether it's skins or cards or whatever the really the benefit to the player is if you were going to already design your system that way where people can pay money to get packs of cards or the skins um having a secondary market just gives you more options so if i play the game and i accrue some fortune of cards or whatever and I decide I don't want to play anymore. With Hearthstone, I'm just, you know, my, I'm out the money and I have the collection somewhere if I log in again some other someday. Um, but there's nothing I can do with it, right? That, that money's just gone for me. Um, and I'm not getting any value out of it. If you're on blockchain and your cards are NFTs, your players can decide to liquidate their collection. They can sell it and get their money back maybe more maybe less um but they they'll feel better leaving your game and people who are coming in will be appreciative that they can get a hold of those cards that might have been hard to grind for if they have the money and they want to do that you know that's a good point because that's something i think a lot of people can relate with or at least identify as a pain point in terms of i mean look at everything else well it's it's on a different system, so to speak, or network. Uh, how do you obtain um, content now? Uh, I mean, how many Netflix uh, users are there? Um, how many, uh, you know, how many games are people downloading for purchase? And yes, in essence, it's always there. If you once you purchase it, it's there's a history you can download it again if something happens, so to speak. But that's also attached to your account. Uh, so if you delete the account, go back, you don't have that anymore. Um, right. it, it, you don't have the same capacity of which is kind of slowly dying out. I'm sure there's an uprise now, but like, you know, used video game stores, <laughs> for, yep. for example. Um, and, and now you have a marketplace where it's basically in a different format, just, um, but you see now you're having kind of for, for, I think a lot of us now, uh, at what uh, at the age like that nostalgia aspect of what we, what we grew up with having a physical physical tangible thing that I could let a friend borrow or more <laughs> more in this case of hey I could go to the store and sell it to someone or sell it to my buddy or whatever the case may be have have some type of an exchange that happens whereas now it's like you can't go back to uh uh amazon and be like hey i want my i, I watched the movie like 20 times i want my <laughs> money back right, right? right and i mean most media like that anyways isn't the case even if you buy it in physical form but at least you could have some type of an exchange with with another entity 
Whereas right. now you can't, um, right. it's, it's very limited on what you can do. And, um, uh, I, I could definitely see an appeal with that. And again, I think leading with that mindset too, um, once I think a lot of maybe other, to some degree, checks and balances are in place to eliminate the negative stuff that does happen right. uh, in those places. Those more positive things, uh, like I just outlined there, will probably start to surface. And, you know, again, I, I, I think formulate more of the concept and idea of how, how this can be, from what you shared with me earlier, just an overall better gaming experience, both in the game um, mm -hmm. and, you know, beyond. Yeah. Yeah, you hit a couple of things there I want to highlight. Um, what you're describing with, you know, the state of the world today, uh, where you can't resell things and, you know, you're stuck with Amazon and whatever. Um, the term we use in the blockchain space is custodial and non-custodial, mm -hmm. where the the thing, yeah, you own it. You own the movie with Amazon, but you can't actually do anything with it. <laughs> you only own it so far as Amazon says you do. So that's a custodial thing. And it's the same with banks, right? Like I have my money, yep. but that money has a custodian, the bank that has kind of some control over what I can and can't do. Um, yep. You know, physical money and, you know, your DVD or whatever, that doesn't have the same restriction. It's non-custodial. You, you have it in your possession and nobody can restrict how you use it. Um, so blockchain is assets on blockchain are also non-custodial so it has that same property that feels kind of old school but still online yeah no and and i can relate firsthand uh what was it like google music i think yeah. it was or um wh whatever they phased out um <laughs> i never got the emails and then i'm like oh i had a library of music on there not a big one but still i i wish i knew because i could have transferred it but i missed that mem those notes and yep you know whatever i invested in those things are now gone <laughs> right exactly um yeah so then you were also talking a little bit about like game stores <clears throat> so so this is another thing with blockchain is um we talk about middlemen <laughs> right so so if you're going to gamestop and you have you know the latest zelda game uh you paid $60 for it and then you're you're taking it to GameStop and they'll give you 10 bucks, 20 bucks for it and then they're going to turn around and sell it for 60. <laughs> Maybe 55. Uh yeah. <laughs> so so they're taking a pretty large cut of something that you, you know, you could have charged 55 if you'd just gone on Craigslist or eBay or or whatever and just handled it yourself. So the marketplace for your games, NFTs, currencies, whatever, it's direct like Craigslist. So there is no middleman that takes a cut or says, this is the rate I'm willing to give you. It's all what other people are willing to pay. Um, so, so you get the full value of it. There, there's that. And then I think another important thing, which is I think where GameStop, for example, kind of capitalizes on is the fact of there's also friction uh, mm -hmm. with platforms such as eBay and, right. um, you know, Craigslist and such. Right. So that being the case, again, from what we were talking about, a player experience as a whole, not just from the gaming experience, I, I, I think it, it sounds like, at least, 
to, to what you shared with me from what I know from that, that that environment promotes not necessarily friction less. There's always going to be friction to some degree, but it sounds like a lot easier uh, than like, okay, well, do I decide to go on right. uh, eBay or Craigslist and, right. oh, how many photos do I need to put? And what's the, like the description? It's like, because I, I'm assuming that these, let's, I guess, call, I mean, other assets or NFTs or whatever are going to come with this like information there. You don't have to list everything about it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It, and, it, and it does make it uh, less friction than what we're more accustomed to with that direct sell. Right, exactly. Yeah, all the data for it is on the blockchain. So you don't have to say, this is my NFT. I bought it 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's all, yeah, it's all there. Um, the friction that you would experience today, uh, assuming you didn't build this into your game, is that you know if you have this collection and you want to sell it or even one piece of it, you would need to take and transfer those items to, uh, you know, some wallet where you have control, which, you know, you could probably be playing the game with a wallet like that instead of using one that, that's baked into the game. Um, and a wallet is like a bank or place to put these things. Yeah, it, it's like your account, yeah. right? Your, your yeah. login, which holds all your data. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so if you have a custodial account that the game kind of manages for you or a non-custodial account that you have full control over and can do what you want with um so so if you are using custodial you're you're probably seeking that easy experience so so the liquidation process is going to be a little bit harder because you have to transfer it and then you have to go find the marketplace outside of the game and list your items there and then you know so there's there's friction in the steps yep the the potential is that within your game, you would build an interface on top of the the whole marketplace stuff in the back end. So it's all like the exact same things would be happening behind the scenes on blockchain. Um, but you'd have a window into it within the game. So you don't have to go outside and into your browser and download a wallet and all kinds of stuff, right? Yep. So, so that's the trick. If you want to have low friction and open these opportunities, you do need to build some interface, but the the game logic and the trading contracts and all that, that's all already been built. You just have to integrate with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the we, we've talked about a, a bunch of things here. Um, th there's one more here. We've talked about microtransactions and games that are play to earn and <clears throat> and that sort of thing. That's not the only way to use blockchain for your game. Um, I was talking with a somebody else in the in my community recently about uh, opportunities you can do that aren't play to earn. <clears throat> and so, if you're let, let's use the example of YouTube. If you're on YouTube, you're a creator. You're uploading videos and you're reaping some reward monetarily for your efforts right um the the problem there is that youtube is the one that's really making the money and they're paying you a percentage <clears throat> so you're not getting the full value of what you've created if you if you were to build youtube on blockchain there wouldn't be a company taking a cut and then giving you the, the funds, the, the money would flow directly to you and you'd get 
100% or maybe you know, 95%. It, there, there's the possibility of building like royalties into the system. So if there was a, a company behind the scenes that was, you know, helping things happen, um, the peer-to-peer -peer marketplace would be, uh, it, it would be, they would take a cut of every transaction, but it wouldn't be a huge amount typically. You could certainly do that, but you probably wouldn't have a lot of happy customers. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so the so, so YouTube, I think, is a good example because it's this create free content, give it away freely. And then when uh, people do things on the platform that generate revenue, that gets distributed based on their usage. Um, that in and of itself is kind of a hard problem to solve on blockchain because of all the free <laughs> in there. Um, so let's look at like Steam. <clears throat> if, you're, if you're Steam, you have a marketplace for buying games. There's not a lot of free there, right? People pay for the experience of playing your game directly, uh, but Steam takes a cut, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where uh, if I build a game, I have to get approved to be on the steam marketplace and then people pay to download my game and then i get a cut or you know 70 percent, or, or i don't remember what it is these days um so if uh if you are the the developer of your game and steam was just an nft marketplace basically uh then all you'd have to do is create an nft that represented your game and it would show up on the homepage or you know whatever page within Steam. It would have a listing there because all the data would be there. And then people paying to play your game, um, you could use a lot of different models to you know maybe you lease out the NFT for a time. Maybe you have um, you know it creates a new token that represents access to the NFT or something like that, right? Um, so the the key there is that you are you're using the blockchain to manage access and funnel the majority or all of the value that people are spending to the actual creators the the marketplace itself isn't adding a ton of value so they shouldn't get 30% 70% whatever of the of the money people are spending most of that should go to the the creator um so there so I guess let's, let's use a game example because that's the point I'm trying to get to here. So uh, let's say you built a game that was all about creating escape rooms, right? So people can come in and create escape rooms within your game and sell them like it's a marketplace. People can come with their friends and play the game that is the escape room. So the game you built is really like there's a creation side of it and a, a playing side of it. And there's transfer of money uh, involved there. If you were to build that in a traditional way, you'd have servers where people upload their games. You'd be the custodian of the all the data for, uh, for escape rooms and the leaderboards and all that. <clears throat> so you naturally take a cut to cover your costs of being that custodian. But if you do it on blockchain, there's not a whole lot to custody, right? It's all there on chain. So building a game like this that's connecting creators within Minecraft or Roblox or, or 
whatever with people who want to consume their content and maybe pay for it. Um, that is a great opportunity for blockchain because the game itself drives value from uh, sending more of that money to the person who actually created the thing, right? So <laughs> anyway, I went through a lot to get there, but the, the point of it is that play to earn is not the only way to use blockchain for, for your game, depending on what type of game. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess my only potential issue with that idea and, and, and I guess don't also hunt, have a full understanding is because one of the things that stood out to me, which I know is true for a lot of players too, is, Hey, the amount of cut that steam takes or any other uh, platform yeah. uh, can, can be quite substantial. Sure. and or and feel that way so because th there is the, uh but and, and i'll put it this way because this is a question i i try to and, and some some studios can solve this and some can't or i should say do this and some can't but um become independent in terms of be their own uh, uh, be their own marketplace so to speak or sell directly to you know players yeah right because there, there's ways to do that but the place like steam i mean just because of the the sheer volume of users it has of players it has right. it makes uh makes that a no-brainer for a lot of people or of course we're gonna go on steam right. um so so in that scenario ha having a little bit more having definitely a lot more freedom and control uh in, in terms of finances what's uh you know getting more uh for your product uh oversimplifying it i guess uh sure. how does that um basically it comes down to wh yeah. where do you go to get that uh to get that attention to be on the forefront and how, how are you like it comes down to marketing i'm guessing yeah. but yeah. then <laughs> how how do you get more people to your game so you can also reap the benefits of not having to play uh pay that cut to a platform yeah so so you hit the nail on the head that <clears throat> the the platform has the attention, right? So today you should still deploy your game on Steam and you should pay that cut because that's important for your distribution. Um, what I'm talking about, like if, if you were to build a decentralized Steam, from the get-go, it wouldn't have the attention. So building that as your thing <laughs> and trying to do that for your own game, um, yeah, probably not going to be the thing that takes you over the top. Doesn't matter that you get a hundred percent of zero if you can get seventy percent of a hundred, right? Exactly. Yep. Um, so the <clears throat> what I'm talking about though is the ability to create new marketplaces. So the the escape room game is a good example because th that doesn't exist today. So people, there is no attention anywhere for that right now. So if you can build the first one then you can start to get attention. And now people who have ideas for escape rooms and want to build one in Unreal, um, they can do that in your game. And then people who are looking for cool new escape rooms to do with their friends you know, from home, um, they have a place to go and find those, those opportunities. So, so you're building a brand new marketplace and that attention needs to be built um, 
so coming out of the gate and replacing steam or youtube or something like that that's going to be really hard uh that's something that may happen in the future if uh if create you know if the platform is created and creators realize the potential and it starts to get uh the right attention but there's a huge hurdle of getting the network effects in line before creators can reap that benefit. So it goes through all the same hassle of creating a platform and the cold start problem and all that. So, yeah. And yeah. I mean, so what we're really talking about here is kind of like the, the, the future of things, because again, like culturally in terms of the gaming culture, um, that, that i'm sure that could be a hard sell to a lot of people right uh especially for some people that are even have like multiple accounts um mm -hmm. uh, it, it still boggles me how you can <laughs> uh, but uh, technically i i'm one i mean i have uh you know a, a small steam library but one um we've got nintendo and playstation so mm -hmm. there, there you go my libraries are all over the case in both physical and digital form so right um but yeah it, again it, it's it, it, I, I think to sum it up, um, that type of thing happening is is really going to be not only um, starting from scratch, but it's also going to be a, probably a little bit of a cultural shift too, in, yeah. in terms of the gaming space. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think that we're we're a ways off before <clears throat> that kind of cultural impact can be had. We're still dealing with, you know negative perception of what an nft is and right we're, we're still doing with the bad <laughs> the bad rep that we <laughs> that right, you have right. right now so cool um so so kind of my my last thought here is that blockchain isn't and shouldn't be for every game okay so so if you're building something today and you just want to build on blockchain because it's cool really make sure that the game you're deciding to build fits and, and isn't, you know, you're not trying to just shove it on to, to make it because you care about blockchain. And, and the same goes, like if you're building a cool game, don't change it just so it fits on blockchain. Build the cool game. Yeah, because the same, re like, basically it comes down to this, like, and this is, I think, applicable to almost any industry. If you're solely creating an industry or solely creating something to make money, yeah, chances are it's not going to do well. Like I, that's like the word advice from all people. It's like, Hey, I'm going to do this. Why? Cause I can make lots of money. Well, do you care about it? No, not at all. Like <laughs> that probably won't work out then. Yeah. <laughs> but if there's yeah. actually intent and passion and all those other aspects that come with creating something or, or ha having intent or purpose for it, that usually ends up dictating like fine. Uh, like, I think we said it earlier. It like you you create something like that, and then everything else can fall into place. But in a type situation, and making sure, like you said, it's it's a good fit. Because if it's not, and if you're going in with the wrong intentions, well, it probably won't work out too well. Absolutely, cool. Well, I think we've probably beat this one to death. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know we could probably talk way more about it too, but I mean, it, it, as this topic is with, in general, there's, there's so yeah. many, uh, there's so much depth to it that we could, yeah. you, you could never cover it in a simple, uh, a single episode. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So for the sake of the listener, not getting too overwhelmed with uh, <laughs> talking about blockchain and marketing for games. Um, yeah. So so going forward, where can people find you? What you do with Rengen and uh, Indie Game Movement? Yeah, sure. So um, 
for RenGen, it's just rengenmarketing.com. Uh, pretty simple there. And uh, if anybody ever wants to reach out to me, I always um, happy to address any questions or things like that that you may have. Uh, you know, uh, my email is a great place, Andrew at rengenmarketing.com. Uh, or you could reach out to me on Twitter. I'm on there every now and then. Uh, and that's just underscore uh, Andrew Pappas, uh, my full name. That's it. And uh, for uh, anybody interested in uh, checking out the podcast, Indie Game Movement, um, it's pretty much available wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, some uh, to note a few, it's uh, uh, Google, uh, Amazon, so you can Alexa it. <laughs> um, well, what else? Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a bunch of others. So all, all major platforms that you're probably listening to, uh, you know, uh, Luke's podcast here uh, is probably where you can listen to Indie Game Movement as well. Awesome. Andrew, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Luke, I really like, you know, having me on the show today and talking more about all this cool stuff. So thank you. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Join me next week for the Coin Press podcast. Bye for now.